0: Globechain is the largest and fastest growing ESG reuse marketplace that helps companies become more sustainable, save money, and achieve their ESG and SDG targets. Globechain connects companies from the construction, retail, hospitality, and office sectors with nonprofits, small businesses, and people to redistribute unneeded items, reducing waste from going to landfill from fixtures and fittings going to thrift stores and being upcycled by fashion students to construction material being reused to help build schools. Items are requested super quickly and help generate impact to local communities. So far, Globechain has diverted over 58 million kilograms of items from landfill, and they've helped over 50 million people across the world, saving them 350 million pounds through reuse. Check them out at globechain.com. To keep global warming to no more than 1.5 degrees Celsius, it's important to remove the carbon dioxide that's already been emitted. The most straightforward way to do this is by planting trees. However, some people say trees aren't enough because they take too long to grow before they make a tangible impact. So what other solutions are available? Well, pulling carbon directly out of the air and storing it underground forever. This technology is called Direct Air Capture, also known as DAC. or DAC. And when it's combined with storage, DAC plus S, it becomes a permanent climate solution. Today, I speak with Rachel O'Brien, head of marketing for Climeworks, the leader in direct air capture. In this episode, we discuss Climeworks' incredible technology and the crucial role that tech plays in reaching our global environmental goals.
1: Hey, Rachel, thank you very much for joining. Uh, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Daniel. It's great to be here and uh, we love what you guys do. So looking forward to this chat.
0: Thank you so much. And, and likewise, and I'm really looking forward to, to learning about what Climeworks is doing. And, and with that, um, just broadly speaking, kind of starting with uh, sort of the quote unquote elevator pitch, if you will, what exactly is Climeworks?
1: Great start. Well, I like to describe it as um, we are a company that is essentially trying to build a time machine uh, to go back in time to when climate change and global warming um, weren't an an existential threat to kind of the world we live in. What we do in order to kind of create that machine is um, we developed a technology called direct air capture for the permanent removal of. CO2 from the air. So direct air capture is a um, it's a technology that's been around for a while, but it wasn't used to um, actually capture CO2. And so our two founders, Christoph and Jan, they met at university, and they studied, they, they did similar PhDs to each other, and then they said, hey, you know, we need to we need to do something about the climate crisis they were in the in the swiss alps always skiing doing winter sports and they noticed that the glaciers were retreating and they were like we need to you know do something as engineers you know how can tech play a role in in this crisis and that's where they developed climate uh, direct air capture for the removal of, of co2 and that's what we do now as, as our business
0: so what exactly is direct air capture
1: we directly capture CO2 from the air. And how that works is we we started in the lab capturing milligrams of CO2, but now we have our uh, largest plant, the world's first and largest um, carbon dioxide removal plant, which captures tons of CO2 from Mm -hmm. the air. So if you imagine almost shipping, shipping container size blocks and inside those shipping containers, you have these fans or they're filters. We call them CO2 collectors, but they're essentially filters, lots of fans with filters. And you, they draw in ambient air. And then inside that filter, inside that fan is a filter. That filter has a very selective material, which CO2 sticks to. And then we remove the CO2 from the filter it's, it goes through a number of different processes. It's heated up and then cooled down, heated up and then cooled down. Um, and then the CO2 is liquefied and we pump the liquefied CO2 to our partner's Carbfix, And they then sequester that CO2, they store it in, in, in deep underground um, in Iceland. So it's a, um, a combination of of this, of this technology to selectively um, take CO2 out of the air with a natural um, occurring process, which is um, mineralized CO2. It's
0: an inc- absolutely incredible technology. And I think, uh, well, liquef- liquefied CO2, um, is, that, is that a new technology to liquefy CO2 or is that something that is already being done?
1: No, I mean, it's essentially sparkling water. Oh, so, um, okay. yeah, it's a liquefied CO2 makes it sound very fancy, but it's essentially sparkling water. Yeah. So nice. That's what we put on the ground. Yeah.
0: And so, uh, okay. So, so what you're basically doing is creating to keep, keep it simple for the non-technical people, meaning me, uh, what we're, what we're, what you're doing is essentially, uh, you are, you've got like a big fan that sucks in a bunch of air you take out the CO2, you make sparkling water, you send that sparkling water, um, we're keeping it very basic, to a partner called CarbFix, who then pumps it underground.
1: Yeah, pretty much. And when we say send, I mean, we operate on basically the same plot of land I'm in Iceland, literally sent via a pipe. <laughs> okay. that, goes, that goes across, it's literally about a kilometer apart. Um, and they have this fantastic technology where they discovered you can um, basically accelerate a natural occurring process, which I think a lot of people don't know already exists. So this isn't something that's brand new. This is, you know, CO2, you know, it's in the air. It mixes with rainwater. It it goes into the ground and then, you know, it's it's absorbed basically. And and the great thing about Iceland um, is it's full of basalt rock. And so the CO2, the sparkling water, goes into the basalt rock. And basalt rock is very much like a hard sponge. It's very porous. And um, essentially the sparkling water goes into those, into those holes and then that rock becomes a new matter. It's calcite matter. Um, and another great thing is, you know, it's so deep underground. It's up to, I think it's eight, 800 metres to 2,000 metres underground. Oh which is, um, it's really deep. That's kind of two Eiffel Towers stacked on top of each other, which is pretty, pretty yeah. massive. Um, and because it's a natural uh, process, because it's so deep underground, it is permanent. So it doesn't come back up. Um, you know, it's not like an earthquake would happen and then suddenly it would you know bubble up to the surface again. You know, it's not at risk of um, extreme weather events. So it's, it's, yeah, it will stay down there forever.
0: Oh, and so, so you when you pump this liquefied CO2 or, or sparkling water uh, into the into underground, it stays as sparkling, or it just stays as this liquid material for forever? Or you said something about calcite.
1: Yes, it, sorry, it solidifies. So the sparkling water essentially fills these um, holes within the basalt rock. And within two years, it becomes solidified. And then you have a new rock, Pretty much, so it's basalt with these lovely—I say lovely—they look really cool because they're kind of like crystallized CO2, mm-hmm. and they're like white cal- calcite. Um, it's really fantastic to see. It, it looks—it looks pretty incredible when you see it in real life.
0: Yeah, wow. I—I I can't even imagine. I mean, that—that that is very cool. And then—and you're saying that that process is naturally occurring, and it's happening basically every time it rains.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's essentially it's yeah, it's something that's already it's already happening. I mean, when we think about where CO2 comes from and fossil fuels, I mean, it's it was all in the ground Mm -hmm. and we have just been drilling it up. So there's this natural circle that was and cycle that was happening. And, you know, due to human activities, we've just been like speeding up the extraction, but not putting it back. And essentially what we're trying to do with CarbFix is putting putting what we took out back in the ground.
0: By the right. license, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's
0: really cool. And, and I think that that's a really good kind of segue to the next question of, you know, why is your technology or Climeworks technology so important at this specific point in time?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I, oh, I mean, ideally, we would be, we would have been doing this for decades already. Um, but the technology wasn't kind of there or established. So, so what we have right now is the first priority is reduction. So we will we, we'll be the first to say, you know, reduce everything you can as much as possible, and then remove what you can't. And the reason we also say that is because unfortunately, there is too much CO2 in the air. So even if we did stop like drastically stopped right now um using fossil fuels there's still too much legacy co2 in the air which is just there and it's not going to be um sequestered by carbon sinks and things like that because there's just too much and actually the ipcc say that we need to remove up to 10 billion tons of co2 every single year until wow. 2050 which is an obscene amount but it mm. shows magnitude of the of the problem and so um direct air capture when combined with co2 storage that's a great um option and complementary solution to other solutions out there in order to remove emissions um you know we work with many different scientists and 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 policy and things like that and it's 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 now really getting the attention it deserves um i think before it felt very sci-fi i'm sure to some people it seems silk my grandpa talks about it on saturday with him he still thinks it's sci-fi um, but it's 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 really needed um that time to kind of grow and build and become um a, a solution that people believe in a climate tech that people can get behind we kind of see it as um you know 10 years ago where solar and wind were where you know the scientists were saying we need to do this we need to um you know make it um uh, appealing and also accessible to everyday people and direct air capture needs to also do the same and we're, we're slowly getting there like we now have we had um a big funding round back in april and um, so that's really allowing us get to scale and to and to and to grow and to um you know make a meaningful difference Mm -hmm. with the removal Um, but we still have way to go and that's why we're trying really hard to kind of raise the awareness of direct air capture and and of course how we can all um take climate action
0: and in terms of direct air air capture i mean I, i suppose why direct air capture and not maybe other solutions
1: yeah that's a great question so i mean again we would always say look you know we're not the only solution we need all the solutions working together but The unique, um, the unique thing about direct air capture is um, how efficient it is, Um, and efficient meaning power, meaning land use, Um, so if you took, for example, the amount of CO2 that we need to remove from the air, from a land perspective, and, and you wanted to do that by planting trees, you would need the size of Europe, or two times India, in order to have enough space to have enough trees to remove CO2 over their lifetime, and with direct air capture in our particular um, structure and machines, which I said, you know, the the shipping container formats are the the modular and stackable and very scalable. It's a thousand times more efficient in terms of land usage, and that's land that's also needed for many other things like agriculture. I mean, there's the cost of living and the and inflation and food prices and everything's going crazy um, it's it's yeah it's a more efficient technology the other part of it is um we're only powered by renewable energy and we will only ever be powered by renewable energy so the great thing about having our plant in Iceland is you know, you've got geothermal energy everywhere there's volcanoes and you know so it's it's fantastic and uh, not only does it look fantastic, but it's also um great for, you know, we're not we're not kind of incurring any more CO2 emissions by using electricity from elsewhere. Um and it's permanent. So like I mentioned, with the CO2 storage, um with it becoming like it's an accelerated natural process, our our solution um means that you do store the CO2 forever. And the unfortunate thing with you know, if you're only relying on planting trees and some of these other solutions is, first of all, trees need up to hundred years in order to sequester CO2, because they need time to to grow, obviously. And then the other thing is, you know, ultimately extreme weather events are happening. They will become more frequent. And these natural-based solutions are more susceptible to those disasters. So keep planting trees, keep doing what you can, but we need direct air capture as well, in order to have that permanent um, effect. So
0: it's one of the options in sort of the, the climate change portfolio, or it's one of the tools in the tool belt, so to speak.
1: Definitely. Um, and that's, I think the great thing with, with direct air capture and, and what, what we have at Climeworks is, there's also an option to to take personal commitment there. There's a lot of solutions out there which they're not available to the everyday person, which is why planting trees is obviously so um, popular as well, because you can plant a tree, it's like adopting an animal kind of, kind of mentality. But with direct air capture, with Climeworks, you can also take a subscription, and you can pay every single month to remove whether it's one kilogram, five kilograms, 100 kilograms a month, and we remove that CO2 for you. Mm -hmm. And you feel like you're also making that commitment. And you could do that as part of your own, like, personal portfolio for example or it could be that you know it's more to balance your lifestyle it's it's to remove specific emissions related to transport um but it i think the really cool thing about it is you can take climate action into your own hands yeah yeah that makes you feel in control when maybe governments aren't exactly (laughs) providing the stability that you that you crave
0: yeah i agree i mean one thing that I always think about and talk about on at least on on sustainability champions is the ability for individuals to be able to take action and take control of what they do uh, and of course we need we're all we're all in this together as as you know we're, we're frequently reminded and, and yes it's true um, but at the same time we can't be so busy relying on other people to take action that we forget to take action ourselves and so um little you know little things done by many 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 people compounds and it, it it actually works and uh, and we can talk more about how people can get personally involved with um climworks uh, a little later but i think i think that is a is a big uh, is a big aspect um or a big attractor at least from from the point of view of um uh like what you're saying about trees you're absolutely right you know you plant a tree and it can take 30 50 100 years for it to fully reach the amount of carbon capacity that it's able to store and, and sequester, et cetera, how quickly, if you have this figure on hand, in theory, would it take from, you know, if we compare that number of how long it takes for, for a tree to sequester carbon to how quickly it takes for a Climeworks plant to start sequestering, how much faster is it?
1: I mean, uh orca plant so we have um our largest plant at the moment um is called orca which is the icelandic name for energy as well Um, so that's cool that's launched last september um and it removes up to four thousand tons a year of co2 and that is running it's removing co2 every day it's capturing co2 every day so um in that sense it's it's much more efficient
0: and, and so you mentioned uh, uh, that you have it sounds like you have more than one plant so how many Climeworks plants are there
1: well at the moment um, we have the one in Iceland, Orca that is removing 4,000 tonnes of CO2 per year mm-hmm. and when we say removing that's because we're also storing the CO2 right so, We do have our next plant under construction it's called mammoth because of the size also interesting fact um scientists some scientists say that the mammoth went extinct because of climate change so that was kind of a nice nice play for us yes and that's due to complete at the end of
0: 2020
1: 2023 okay yeah and that will have the Nominal capacity of removing up to forty thousand tons of CO two per year. Wow, so, so
0: ten times larger than Orca.
1: Exactly, and we also plan to just keep doing ten times the next plant every few years because wow. we need to, we, You know, we we really need to scale to be climate what we say climate relevant. You know, at the moment four thousand tons. It's fantastic that we've been able to prove our technology in the field because actually we're the only company who have. A, a plant that size doing doing what it's doing, removing CO two, and we're learning so much from having the technology in the field. And so every single plant will be not only bigger, but it will be more efficient, more effective because we're learning constantly <laughs> on the go. Um, and so that's our plan. So we want to. We really have this journey to gigaton. We need to get to. We're at tons now. We need to get to megaton and then gigaton, and then we have a shot at keeping one point five in sight.
0: Yeah, um, that makes sense, and it sounds like a huge project. Um, if, well, yeah, quite literally, right, mammoth. Uh, so, <laughs> mammoth uh, <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> where, if I may ask, and and um, where is mammoth going to be, or where is it?
1: So mammoth will also be in Iceland. In fact, it's actually on the same, it's next to the basically Orca and mammoth are neighbours, and they're also neighbours with fix our storage partner, and they're also um neighbors with power, which is our um, geothermal supplier of energy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, the, you know, Iceland is a, is a really unique and special place, um, and Carbfix have this, you know, incredible um, technology, and you also have the geothermal energy. Um, but you could sequester CO2 kind of pretty much anywhere on this planet. Um, and so there's multiple different locations being looked at. Um, you know, it could be in the US, it could be in the UK. We've also got a pilot running in Oman with a company called Forty Four Zero One, and the rock there is not basalt rock; it's a different type of rock. Mm-hmm. So there's 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 so many um, options out there. You know, we have plenty of rock to store CO two. So that's why we're like, you know, we should be doing much more of this, and we would encourage other people to do this, you know, to, to scale as well, so that we can all be removing. Enough CO two from the air.
0: Yeah, and, and out of curiosity, would you have to? Does CarbFix need to also expand their capacity in order to meet this new, well, mammoth size um, amount of sparkling water that you're going to be sending their way?
1: I mean, in Iceland, you actually have enough basalt rock to remove all of the CO two from the air that we need to. Oh, wow. So you, you know, you could actually just do it all in Iceland. But of course, and and CarbFix. Um, and they're uh, using our CO two to store, but they're also storing at point source as well. Um, so there's, they they remove um, the a power plant CO two, but what we're really focused on is removing the excess. So rather than keeping the level of CO two the same, we really want to remove, um, you know, what's already been emitted. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I mean you you can. There's plenty of um, there's plenty of companies and other in other countries who are also trialing um, this technology or similar technology. So um, yeah, we just need it all to happen much quicker.
0: Yeah, and and on that point, uh, you mentioned that every few years you want to increase your capacity by 10x or each plant plant's capacity by 10x from the previous one. How how many do you how many plants do you plan? on having in the next well 10 20 i mean what what's sort of the the thinking in terms of how much you'll you'll actually scale and build
1: i mean with the with the current technology as it is and it being scalable and stackable i mean you would have um essentially a plot which has lots of different collectors or what we could say more simply is the shipping collectors with the fans so actually it depends on how big you can have that how big the storage site is as well um but as we say i mean every few years we would want to be you know you could just have one site which has kind of hundreds of different collectors all stacked uh, Mammoth, for example the the design is very similar to orca but we're stacking three rather than two um, and as we keep learning in the field, um, it could be that we can stack higher or we stack wider and then you don't need as much space and you can just go up. Um, so it could be that, yeah, you have one every few years up until 2050. And then and then we see if we need any more. If we need to, you know, I imagine we would keep all of them kind of or some of them running, at least keeping everything at bay. But hopefully that by that point, we've also drastically cut fossil fuels.
0: Yeah, uh, that, that's a, this By then. <laughs> sorry, say it one more time.
1: Ideally by 2050, you might not need it climax anymore. So
0: yeah, no, that's actually one of my, what was one of my thinking or one of my questions really is, you know, what happens if we meet all of our climate targets and we don't need, or or I suppose carbon targets and we don't need it. And it sounds like, well, you said you we won't need climax anymore. So is there a, a contingent, like a plan in place if somehow we're able to completely remove or get a, away from all emissions, you know, w- what happens then? Because I, I suppose we do need some carbon in the, in the atmosphere or CO2 in the atmosphere.
1: Totally. And that is a question that comes up a lot, actually. I mean, especially um, we get questions on um, some of our channels about, um, you know, are you removing too much? We need it to live. Um, unfortunately, there is way too much in the air. That, that will never be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, It would be, um, if we were anywhere near close to getting to that problem, um, I think it wouldn't be a bad thing. It would be, oh, my God, we've reversed climate change. You know, the world isn't on fire. So (laughs) I think um, it's a a valid concern because I think when people do their research, they start thinking, hey, we need CO2 to live and to breathe and animals and everything else. But, yeah, I mean, 10 billion tonnes per year is, is obscene. Um, yeah, it's a lot. To, yeah, there's no way that we will be able to remove that until, you know, we get to gigaton capacity, which is going to take a number of years. Um, I think another point is, you know, we really need um, everyone working together. Like we said, you know, whether it's um, lobbyists or whether it's, um, you know, individuals taking climate action, private sector, governments, et cetera, um, we we really need to have everyone working together to get to that point because we need to fund the scale up in order to get to gigatons. So at the moment, you know, we're removing 4,000 4, tons of co 2 a year. You know, in order to get to this gigaton, we really need everyone on board, really backing direct air capture um, as you know, the number one kind of solution in climate tech um, to, to, to push in order to actually have that that problem so we've got time on our hands to get there
0: what about um capturing because so you're actually capturing carbon dioxide um but when we think of greenhouse gases and and it can get a little bit confusing because sometimes when we talk about co2 we're referring frequently to all the greenhouse gases but uh, as a way to easily count we talk about co2 E or CO2 equivalency or equivalent. Um, but what about capturing something that's much more potent like methane? Um, how, well, first of all, is that something Climeworks is thinking about? Uh, is it something that you're even able to do at this point? Is it something that is worth pursuing? Kind of lots of questions, but uh, yeah.
1: Really good question. Um, So, I mean, for us, the focus on CO2 is because of the, effect it has on global warming and co2 itself is the biggest um driver of of climate change and that's why we focus on co2 um, although recognized methane is totally potent and we need to you know everyone also needs to consider reducing that um at the moment we're not looking at methane um we are just looking at co2 and i think you know with our technology that we've developed it's Super selective, so it really does just it. It, it finds the CO two molecule and it and it and it captures it. So, if you imagine, so one molecule out of two thousand five hundred is CO two. So it's like walking around in a in London or New York or whatever, and trying to find one person in a crowd of two thousand five hundred. Like obviously, that would be very difficult. And so our technology is so selective and it's taken, you know, a number of years to get to that point where we can actually do it outside of the lab and do it, you know, taking thousands. So I think, you know, methane would probably be a different direction in terms of, in terms of technology um, and how you and how you remove it. But I'm sure there's very innovative startups and companies trying it or doing at the moment.
0: Yeah. um, It's kind of like you said, you know, we need all the solutions and, just thinking something like methane requires um yeah it just has it's so potent that it might be worth looking into um but it, it's probably even more challenging because co2 is extremely common and everywhere but methane is such a um yeah it's it's so much less uh, uh what's it called yeah there's just a lot less of it in the air
1: exactly
0: uh, it's much more challenging and so i mean what are Climworks long-term goals and uh, you know what? What does it look like if 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 we had fully adopt this technology and we're we're going all out? We are somehow meeting these ten gigatons of reduction per year. Uh, what ideally does the future look like?
1: So we we look like to look at the futures. We you know we see we see what the recommendations are from science, so from the IPCC and and others, um, and we really have that twenty fifty goal in mind, which, um, I think 2050 is thrown around quite a lot because, you know, countries and companies have this net zero, you know, um, pressure and it's always, you know, it's 2030, 2035, 2050. So for us, it's very much, we focus focused on that 2050 mark and our journey to gigaton. So our journey to getting to that, to that point where we have plants that are pulling copious amounts of CO2 from the air. But to get to that point, um, We actually have just had um, a couple of announcements. One was that we have just opened an entity in the US. So at the moment, we are head office in in Zurich in Switzerland. We also have an entity in Cologne in Germany. And of course, we have a presence in Iceland. Um, And so this is a huge step for us, actually, to to go, right, we really want to um, recognize that the US is (laughs) today. A huge market for us, but also um, the landmass is very interesting. Um, So, you know, now we're sort of taking the steps to, you know, hire people from the US and to, um, yeah, really break some ground there. So that's really exciting. Um, And then we've also um, just developed a, a methodology. With our partners CarbFix in Iceland, which is a methodology which is to certify carbon dioxide removal via direct air capture and storage. And that's the direct air capture and storage is what we and CarbFix do. Of course, other carbon dioxide removal solutions. So we've developed this methodology together. And then that's now been validated by the DNV, the DNV being an international um, certification registrar for sustainability and environment amongst amongst other things. so for us it's really as a huge step and a huge milestone because you know being being validated but creating creating something that can be validated is, is just you know more um, confirmation that this is the right climate tech to be to be backing and to be taken forward. so that's really huge and then also having this US presence is, is also huge. so for us it's now we've got mammoth in our site, and then now it's next plant. What do we do after Mammoth? Where is Mammoth, where's the next plant after Mammoth going to be? And how big is it going to be? And, and yeah, so it's very exciting, but it's a little bit under wraps, I think at the moment <laughs> after Mammoth.
0: You mentioned that uh, at the beginning you were, t- you were telling your dad about the work that you do and he still doesn't really understand what, what you're doing or or how it works. So um, what what would you say? I mean, because there there's clearly a role that technology plays in achieving our climate environmental goals, but you know, I suppose there are people who are nervous that technology and a company like Climeworks may be doing more harm than good by somehow, you know taking air out of the atmosphere and pumping it to Eiffel Towers worth you know down into the ground and who knows what the implications are what about unintended consequences so you know in, in terms of uh, for, for any for any concerns about how technology is being used to sort of quote unquote potentially mess with the environment what is, what is your and you know climber's response to that
1: so we the totally valid concerns as well um you know, I think there's this fear sometimes, like you said, with the whole sci-fi thing, it's, you know, text taking over, you know, AI is going to suddenly dominate and we're all going to become slaves to uh, <laughs> <laughs> these robots. Um, so a totally yeah. valid concern. Um, I think what we could say is, um, you know, in making sure that what we do does not negatively impact, the world we live in said so the landscape wildlife agriculture that's that's one of our top priorities and um, actually interestingly the the site selection for our first large scale plant orca the reason it is where it is in iceland is because it doesn't have any negative impact on the um surroundings there you know imagine iceland's got pretty drastic um large landscape um there's not a huge amount of um, wildlife in certain areas and so one of the reasons that we chose that location was because you know, naturally you've got carpets there and you've also got the geothermal but also it's not it's not disrupting um, the world we live in and I think one way to one way to view it is you know sometimes you see in these towns and cities you have these really old buildings taking out taken over by um, you know the natural natural world, so trees coming in, the roots taking over, but then you have these skyscrapers that go up. And I really like to think of Orca like that. It's this, you've got this like huge landscape around, and then you have this machine. Mm-hmm. And there's something really beautiful about the two of them being together and working in harmony, using geothermal energy, um, using the you know the ambient air, you know, you need a certain climate as well to, to be able to remove the CO2. And there's something really beautiful about that working together as opposed to being harmful. Um, I would also say, I mean, I think we, again, we we would never say that technology is the only solution. Definitely not. And unfortunately we're at a point that we need this technology solution as well as the natural solutions because the natural solutions, you know, either they require a lot of water so reforestation requires a lot of water, a lot of land, um, a lot of um, labour. You also then have the risk of extreme weather events like flood, floods and, and fires and, and, and things like that. They take a lot longer to sequester CO2. Um, it's, nev- it's never us versus nature. It's very much we need them all working together. Um, and, you know, luckily there is this technology which can kind of work in harmony. And I think when you see some of the windmills, you know, in the landscape, I always think of Scotland, um, where they're just, you have these lovely mounds of nature and then these, just these big giant windmills. And it's, to me, it's beautiful that we're at a point in our civilization where we can have these two working together and not detrimental to each other.
0: mm mm-hmm. And, and part of that, I mean, is it sounds like you're, you're quite aware of what is and is not going on from an environmental perspective where orca is. And, um, and so before you start building it, our kind of environmental studies in terms of, like you said, wildlife or, you know, the landscape or even how carb fixes technology uh, works, are, are there sort of studies being done to, to demonstrate and, and to share, um well to just be sure rather that this isn't having any sort of major environmental implications
1: definitely I mean um you know whenever there's a site selection process there is a, a very very rigorous um process with you know for example the, the ice the Icelandic government had to be involved the Swiss government were also involved so oh, wow. that takes a long while to get to those to get to those points um but yeah of, of course I mean there are, there are multiple multiple stakeholders, some of which are animals and plant life, um, that we have to consider. Um, and, you know, that's why a lot of people ask us, you know, why can't you just put one of these machines just, you know, where CO2 is emitted or, what you know, where we feel it's emitted because it's, you know, we associate sometimes CO2 with pollution. And, and it's because it's, it, it, it can disrupt the, the landscape that you're already in. Um, and also CO2, it doesn't matter where you take it from because it moves so quickly around the globe that it's, it's not kind of just stuck in one place. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, as I said, there's, there's, there's plenty of studies done.
0: Fascinating. And yeah, I mean, I can understand why based on that, it makes sense to build mammoth next door to Orca because all of that's already there. All you're doing is just building another version of it. Um, Yeah, that that makes sense. And um, we were talking about personal commitments earlier and and how what you're doing is interesting for individuals because they have a chance to really get involved. So what what do you mean by getting involved?
1: So we we really like to take the opinion that um, climate action is for everyone. Um, I think it's very easy to feel overwhelmed. I mean, I've been talking about gigatons and... (laughs) Millions of tons that we have to remove and drastically, yeah. and that can kind of get a bit, um, yeah, overwhelming for people. And I think it's it's natural for everyone to want to feel included and like they're part of something. Um, you know, whether it's because you want to reduce your carbon footprint, or whether it's because you want to help scale a technology, which is, you know, like we've been discussing, it's kind of it's not in its early stages, but it's definitely got a long way to go to to be climate relevant. Um, what we provide is as a service where you can, you can basically sign up um, for as long as you want. You can do a month, you can do just a one-off payment. Maybe it's because you um, had to make a journey and you want to remove the emissions of that journey. You could just do that in one go. Um, You know, you could also buy a gift for someone of carbon dioxide removal. Um, I actually like to do that for my family members. It's perfect because it's also a gift which um educates people. It's also a gift which is um like you know possibly one of the most sustainable things you can ever give. Mm -hmm. And it's also really cool because you it's you know for some people they're really hard to buy for and this is really unique. So there's that element but I mean really it's it's you know it's that individual commitment and choice and feeling like you're part of a movement and we have this great community. We have I think nearly 16,000 climate pioneers—that's what we call them because they are climate pioneers—and um, they are removing, you know, choosing to remove CO2, um, you know, to support Climeworks and to also, you know, make make themselves feel like they're part of this journey with us. They're taking a climate action; they're taking climate action themselves. And um, so, yeah, you can you can kind of you can do whatever suits your lifestyle um, and feel like you're making a difference
0: yeah super cool and and we kind of touched on this earlier but why do you believe and why does climax believe that we need that individual contribution why can't we just really say well let's leave it to governments and big businesses they're the ones that got us into this mess so they should get us out of it kind of a thing
1: yeah, very good point. It's <laughs> a feeling amongst most of us. Um, I mean, so the, the the carbon market at the moment is um, the carbon removal market is, is voluntary at the moment. Um, you know, there isn't a compliance carbon market. It's not like wind and solar yet. And for us, it's this it's two things. It's a people um, taking part in order to actually help us scale the technology, remove big chunks of CO2 from the air. And then the other side is, you know, there is power in people. The more people that sign up, doesn't matter if it's $1 a month, $10 a month, whatever it is, there's a there is real power in in people coming together and creating a mission and a mo and a movement. And that is really powerful to policymakers big businesses you know if it's you you're you're an employee of a company and you're and you you have a voice and you get to say to your you know whether it's your md or your ceo or chief sustainability officer every every little helps and every voice should be heard and the more people that band together and support us the the more we can scale the technology one but also the more that people will start to notice and want to, you know, realize that this is something that we need to do, and it needs to be on the same level as, as solar and wind.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And for anyone who's interested in learning more about Climeworks and getting involved, and you know, either at Christmas will be coming around uh, any minute now um, <laughs> as these things uh, happen. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, for, for gifts or anything like this, where is the best place for for people to learn more and and potentially get involved?
1: so i mean you could go to climateworks.com that is um, where we live and on there you have many options to learn about the technology learn about um, our different partners our different our customers you can also read testimonials from our climate pioneers and on there you can also remove co2 so we have a number of different options Um, like i mentioned you can either create an action plan where you subscribe monthly or you can give a gift or you can just make a one-off purchase if that suits better for your
0: choice. Fantastic. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for going through all of this with uh, with me today. I think the work you're doing is so cool, and, and it's such a it's a unique approach to a really big challenge. And like you said, it's one of the one of the uh, tools in the tool belt that's required, and and it's a way for everyone to be able to get involved and support. Uh, technology that clearly is growing quickly and um there's a lot more room to grow so um mm-hmm. yeah good luck with with all of the the launch in the u.s and, and everything else as well as building out mammoth
1: thank you very much yeah and
0: thanks again for your time
1: thank you
0: Globechain is the largest and fastest growing ESG reuse marketplace that helps companies become more sustainable, save money, and achieve their ESG and SDG targets. Globechain connects companies from the construction, retail, hospitality, and office sectors with nonprofits, small businesses, and people to redistribute unneeded items, reducing waste from going to landfill. From fixtures and fittings going to thrift stores and being upcycled by fashion students to construction material being reused to help build schools, items are requested super quickly and help generate impact to local communities. So far, GlobeChain has diverted over 58 million kilograms of items from landfill, and they've helped over 50 million people across the world, saving them 350 million pounds through reuse. Check them out at globechain.com.